sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Am I talking about a man in a red suit? No, I'm talking about the internet. You never know where you might be, what you might be doing, who might be watching you. I, uh, a while back, I was, no pun intended, I was surfing the internet, and I came across some old Virginia Beach surfing videos that were interesting to me. So I started watching them, and there were some old uh, East Coast Surfing Championship videos. Uh, there were some old Steel Pier videos. And then I found this video of an old uh, Wavy 10 news uh, show that had been on about overcrowding in the surfing areas. Let's see if we got that. Virginia Beach allows daytime surfing in five areas, four around Rudy Inlet and one in Sandbridge. But altogether, there's less than 2,000 feet of surfing beaches. This stretch of beachfront from Pendleton up to Croatan is one of the most popular areas for surfers in all of Virginia Beach. Even on a weekday, hundreds of surfers crowd the waters here trying to get that one great ride, but in the process having to battle everything from fishnets, stray boards, swimmers, and even each other. see that again. Is that really what I thought? Do I know that guy? Oh. Forty years that's been out there on the internet. I've been riding that same wave all the time. No wonder I'm so tired. Um, but I got to know, I got to know by, by show of applause your, your favorite part, okay? This choice, uh, mustache. All right, uh, 80s shorty shorts. I had only seen that on a cell phone screen, and I tried to watch it on a larger uh, laptop at home, and when I clicked on it, it said, will not play in restricted mode. I said, they're not that short. Come on. <clears throat> but uh, my favorite part, my favorite part is 40 years, and I haven't changed a bit, right? Uh, well, I don't have the mustache anymore, and um, I don't wear those shorts anymore, and I really don't uh, surf much anymore, and I don't have muscles like in my back anymore, I don't think like that. But other than that, I haven't changed a bit, have I? Um, change is one of the great themes throughout the Bible. The Old and the New Testament were constantly being confronted with this challenge of change. Um, before Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament became Isaiah the prophet, he was Isaiah the guy. He was Isaiah, the, the mid-level bureaucrat in the reign of uh, King Uzziah of Judah. Now, King Uzziah was one of the most successful kings ever in the Bible. He reigned 52 years. Uh, he led the, the country in peace and prosperity and even religious reform. So Isaiah would have been born when he was already king, grew up with him as king, uh, got his career, he, he got a career, a job as a scribe in the palace. Um, while he was king. And um, he, uh, it says in the Bible that he wrote a history of the reign of King Uzziah. Now, that's 52 years. In our time, if a president uh, serves two terms, eight years, he gets, you know, you have a presidential library, the memoirs, maybe a museum. 52 years, he was set for life. Talk about job security. He was never going to run out of things to write about uh, with a 52-year reign of that king. Well, then, Suddenly, things started to change. The Bible tells us that Uzziah got, like, 
too big for his britches, and he tried to take on some of the, the roles, the jobs that only the priests were allowed to do. And, and as punishment, he, he came down with leprosy, and he had to move out of the palace and live isolated in a house, and his son, the prince, took over for him. Um, and then he did something that really rocked Isaiah's world. He died. And suddenly everything that Isaiah knew about uh, uh, politics and government and religion, everything got thrown up in the air. Everything changed. And, and it's with this background <clears throat> that he wrote the famous words of Isaiah chapter 6. He wrote, in the, king that you, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I what? What did he do in the year that King Uzziah died? In the year that King Uzziah died, I took early retirement and moved to Florida. No, in the year that King Uzziah died, I hit the new king up to convince him how important my job was and that it had to keep me on the payroll. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I got depressed and had to take sick leave. No, what he wrote was, Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. Seraphs were a type of angel, and I've always got to say this at Christmas time. We, our image of angels sometimes are these chubby-faced, cute, baby-faced, feminine things. In the Bible, angels are spiritual warriors. They're scary beings in the, in the service of God. Um, so it says, above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. He's saying, I've seen God, and now I know we don't even know how to describe you properly. And all the people that I've always been around, nobody knows even how to talk about you properly now that I've seen as you really are. One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go. Now think about it. Later today, a lot of us will be watching football. If your team gets the ball, you guys running down the field. He's heading for the goal line. You're going to jump up maybe in your living room. You're saying, Go, go. I believe that when we hear the call of God, when God says, who will do this? And you say, I'll do it. I believe a stadium of warrior angels stands to their feet and stomps on the bleachers and says, go, do it. Follow the Lord. See what he has for you. There's three kinds of change that I think the Bible talks about that God works through in our lives. There's change in circumstances. There's change in lifestyle. And there's change in beliefs. Okay, really, there's a fourth kind of change. Uh, I've been on the offering counting team since, um, since we took up the first offering at church. And um, the other kind of change is the change that we see that comes in the offering plate. Um, and we get, some, uh, we get some strange stuff. We actually have started keeping a collection of stuff on the side of things that come in the offering plate. Because we get, um, you know, you get your basic Canadian money. That gets some of that. And then we get... Uh, We've got some Spanish coins. We're not sure uh, what they're worth, whatever. 
And uh, this is either the smallest coin in the world or it's a button. We, we haven't been able to get a close enough look at it yet. And uh, from Christmas Eve, uh, just, oh, and this guy wasn't even trying. Uh, he just, maybe it clinked when you put it in the plate, so he thought he'd get away. Um, but then from Christmas Eve, just this past Christmas Eve, this was a candy wrapper. Now, now I have a message from the counting team. If you're going to put a candy wrapper in the offering, at least like bite it in half and leave, you know, half of a bite in the uh, wrapper because they, they, they do get hungry there. Um, but, you know, it's not just coins. We, I mean, we get, some, uh, we get some checks that are a little different also. Now, this guy, uh, okay, that's my favorite all-time check. I think somebody was uh, here, and their mind really was somewhere else when they were writing the check, because if you see, they wrote Spring Break Community Church. Um, if you wrote that check and you're here, there will be prayer down here uh, after the service. And then, uh, then this other one came up, and I think this guy was wanting to, to show that he was tithing, which is giving 10%, and um, didn't quite get it right, and he, and he put, maybe he didn't put it in the plate at all. Uh, well, in the note, instead of uh, spelling tithe, they wrote tight. And I think, that's just not, you know, or maybe we should give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe times were tight, and, and that's why they gave what they want, but um, Okay, anyway, I'm, I'm way off the subject here. Um, the first kind of change is change in circumstances. And we already looked at uh, Isaiah and how when God uh, changed everything in his circumstances, that, uh, that kind of took him out of his comfort zone, changed everything that had meant security and comfort to him, and that freed him up to, to have a vision for God in new ways and, and uh, freed him up to, to serve God in new ways for the rest of his life when uh, so much of his, his comfort zone there got shaken up. Um, a second passage, and this is at the other end of the Bible in the New Testament, uh, is in John 21. And it's a little hard to, to wrap your head around. Um, Jesus is having this long conversation with Peter after his resurrection, after Jesus' resurrection, and he's calling him to a lifetime of service, uh, a lifetime of following him. And he says to Peter, he says, feed my sheep. I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So here he's saying, follow me, and I'm not promising you a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I'm not promising you it's all going to turn out all right, but live your life and follow me and serve me and follow me. And, Jesus, and Peter had seen the resurrected Jesus, and he's like, he had no choice in his life. Following him was the only thing he could do, regardless of how the circumstances might turn out in the end. Jesus is still to this day saying, follow me. The second kind of change is change in lifestyle. And I like the story in Luke 19 where uh, Jesus meets Zacchaeus uh, says uh, in Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, 
come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. There's a little bit of dark humor in there because it was in his job description to cheat people. And he was wealthy. So but if I have cheated, but you know. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Zacchaeus' whole life had been wrapped around uh, getting money in ways that alienated himself from, from God and from other people. And when he had the opportunity to, to be near Jesus, to come to Jesus, he wanted to take off to get rid of anything in his life that was coming between him and Jesus. I took two of my grandsons fishing out on my boat. And um, I have a small boat, and I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so five-year-old, seven-year-old, small boat, hooks, lines, ropes, nets. Uh, the best way I can describe it is locking yourself in the closet with the Tasmanian double. Just everything swirling all around at once. And I have this big cooler that sits in the very stern in the back of the boat, and it's as high as the, the side of the boat. And somehow they both ended up on top of that cooler. And then they discovered that because they had life jackets on, they could punch each other as much as they wanted, and they didn't feel it. And they're just flailing away, pounding each other in the back of the boat. And I'm thinking, I don't know if they were going to fall off or if I was going to go to the other bow and just jump off and give up myself. But they're pounding away. Uh, you have anything in your lifestyle that's insulating you from feeling the call of God in your life? What, what might you need to take off to get rid of so that you can fully be with Jesus? The third kind of change is change in belief. Now, you know, in the New Testament time, Paul started churches uh, all around the Mediterranean. They would go from one city to the next. In some places, they really accepted him and started a church. And in other places, they rejected him and, and they had to leave. And they went to um, the city of Thessalonica. And at first, they, they accepted him and, and heard what he had to say. But then they turned against him and, and threatened violence. And uh, they had to get out of town. So in Acts 17.10, it says this, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, the next town down the road. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Often if I teach a class, I'll put this, this verse out at the very beginning. And say, look, don't just believe this because I say something. You have to read the Bible yourself. Uh, and, you know, you can't, you can't just come to church and hear 20 minutes of teaching and think I'm, I'm done for the week. You've got to, to read the Bible yourself. You've got to take in the scriptures. You've got to make them part of your life so that you know what they're really saying. Otherwise, it's too easy to uh, have some misunderstandings or misconceptions uh, about what the Bible is really saying. You've got to uh, read it and read it yourself. Um, I, had a, I had a wrong idea, misconception of what the Bible was saying in one area. Um, I understood that uh, John the Baptist came before Jesus. And John the Baptist was like a fiery Old Testament prophet. You know, he was saying, uh, 
Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins. Repent and be baptized. Get ready. One's coming after me. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then uh, his time ended. He, he got arrested. And then uh, right after that is when Jesus really started his uh, ministry. And in Matthew, uh, and, and I thought, I thought that, that John had that kind of message. And then Jesus came and taught peace, love, and forgiveness. So, but in Matthew 4.17, Matthew sums up Jesus' early teaching ministry in just eight words. Just eight words, he sums up Jesus' whole early teaching ministry. So, uh, a little Bible quiz for you, the eight words. What, what do you think were the eight words? Um, how about, uh, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die? No, yes, no? True or false questions? No? It's eight words. It's eight words, exactly. Not it. Okay, let's, how about this... Uh, these, uh, these words, does this sum up Jesus' early teaching ministry? The meek shall be trodden under the feet. Sounds like something he said, right? No? True, false? No? No? All right, how about this one? Follow me, and I will make you fishermen. Yes? I've been telling my wife for years that's in the Bible. Come on. No. <laughs> that's not it. It's close. He said something like that. All right, how about this one? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes, that's what he says. According to Matthew 4.17, that summed up Jesus' entire early preaching ministry. That threw me off because those are the exact same words as John the Baptist. I thought he had a very different teaching ministry at first. But the exact same words as John the Baptist. Uh, after, Jesus, after John was arrested, Matthew 4.17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near Jesus didn't say, hey, everything's okay, you know, peace out. He said, get ready to have your circumstances changed. Get ready to have your lifestyle changed. Get ready to have your beliefs changed. A couple years ago, I had a vocational change. Uh, my sister and I started a business flipping houses. And it sounds like the makings of a reality show, brother, sister, house flipping. You know. And um, if we ever get a show, we already know what to call it. Flipping out. And, and, if you, and if you saw some of the houses we've gotten involved in, you'd say, yeah, I think you are. Um, well, I was working on this one house and had it all torn up. Boards, nails, everything all over the floor. Um, just a, a mess. And um, my, my work boots decided to change. They decided to transform themselves into flip-flops. And, you know, you can, you can get by pretty good if, if the heel comes loose and you can flip-flop around even in work boots. But these boots, on the same day, the soles, both boots, the front, pulled loose. And you can't flip-flop around with the front well at all. The boards and the nails and everything go right, go right up uh, in it. But, uh, so I knew I had to get uh, some new boots, and it was kind of late. I, I rushed to the mall, and I'll, um, I'll just clue you in right now. The mall is not the place to buy, like, working man boots. You know, there was lots of designer boots and stuff there. I was going from store to store at the last minute, and I think, I think it was Payless. I think it was like the cheapest store in the mall I got to. And uh, I found a pair of boots. Looked great. Looked like just what I needed. Put them on. They fit. Um, rushed to the cashier. She's like checking the computer. She goes, oh, that can't be right. No, that can't be right. I said, what's the matter? Because they're just $25. That can't be right. And then she's looking like it's, you know, it's closing time. Closing time. She goes, all right, they're $25. I took my boots and I thought, Great, you know, even if they're 
not such great boots. You know, I'll just throw them in the truck, and they'll be there when I need them. And uh, they'll, uh, they'll last me a little while. And as I, and as I wore them and, and got to, to know them a little better, it wasn't so much that they were made out of imitation leather, but really it was more like they were imitation boots. Um, and uh, they, 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 weren't, they weren't the greatest. But if you had come to church for the uh, second night of Christmas Eve services two years ago, you could have seen me joyfully wearing my, my imitation leather, imitation boots. You say, well, why, why would you wear cheap boots to church on Christmas Eve of all times? Um, well, I, I always try to get here early when, when it's a big night or big service or whatever. So I, I rushed, got dressed in a hurry, rushed here. Um, I'm not the building manager anymore, but I still kind of think that way. So I come in through the back, check the air conditioning, the heating, circle by promised land. Their lights were working, heat, everything was good with them. Went up to the front. Um, they, were, they were short greeters at, at one of the doors. So I jumped in and was greeting uh, four or 500 people. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And greeted all these people coming in. And then the uh, service started. The doors closed. I had already been to the service the night before. And I was supposed to help count the offering. So I couldn't uh, really go anywhere. So I just sat down uh, out on the bench out front and just kind of looked down. And to my horror... To my horror, I saw I had mismatching shoes on. They felt the same. They felt exactly the same. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'd, I guess I got dressed in the closet and um, didn't notice it. Like I thought, well, what am I going to do? I, 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 don't, I don't have time to drive home and change. Uh, I, I'm supposed to count the offering. If I, you know, if I try to do that and come back, I'll get caught in the traffic and I'll miss. I won't be doing my job. And um, uh, I, I, can't, I can walk around in my socks, but that might look funny too. And I got away with it before the service. Nobody noticed it or said anything about it then, but surely someone's going to see it the second service, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be caught. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I thought, my boots. My boots are out in the truck. And I ran out and happily put on my $25 imitation boots and walked around the church on Christmas Eve in my boots. People of Spring Branch. The kingdom of God is near. Don't get tripped up trying to make the future somehow an exact match of the past. God has too many great new things for us to do. As a church, if you've never believed in Jesus before, he's still saying, follow me. Don't get caught wearing an imitation life, trying to cover up the mistakes you've made, living a life apart from God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Do whatever you have to do to get in on it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you that to this day you're saying, follow me. Lord, take us into the new year as people that follow you and do great new things in the church. Take us into the new year as people that have discovered what it means to follow you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Spirit.